The Murthy Law Firm has been clarifying U.S. immigration laws and procedures for foreign nationals since 1994. Teleconferences and podcasts were added to the resources available online in 2012. We are happy to offer this free service. Please listen to copyright information and restrictions at the end of this recording. Now, we are pleased to introduce attorney Sheila Murthy. Good afternoon. I am Sheila Murthy, President and CEO of the Murthy Law Firm. Thank you so much for joining us for today's discussion on the issues dealing with assistant reproductive technology or art, as we call it, surrogacy. Uh, it is such an important, important topic. Joining me in today's panel are two of my esteemed colleagues at the Murthy Law Firm, Chris Drynan, who's a senior attorney who's done a lot of consultations, often goes to the airport, talks to clients, mentors them, guides them, does, has just been involved in this topic for, I'm going to say, decades because he's brilliant, and Lori Haas, who's our special projects attorney who does all kinds of unique, exciting, unusual cases, so we have her as part of today's esteemed panel. So just by way of brief background, you know, one of the most important considerations for any individuals who are immigrating to the U.S. is, of course, to ensure that the spouse and the children are able to accompany the principal. And many of you are aware that when an individual relocates to the U.S., either as a non-immigrant or permanently as an immigrant, that children who are under the age of 21 years are allowed to accompany the primary applicant as within quotes, the dependent slash derivative slash child. Now remember, there's the INA, the Immigration and Nationality Act, which defines a child to, which has multiple definitions of a child. For example, it includes a biological child, a stepchild, an adopted child, etc. But for the more recent developments that have occurred with through assisted reproductive technology or art that I just referred to or surrogacy, there's not been clear-cut guidance in the actual black letter law or statute. So I'm going to invite Chris to jump in with any developments. Chris? Thank you, Sheila. Um, as, um, as you mentioned, this for a long time has been a, a developing issue because this is all, for the most part, this is relatively new technology. And when we're dealing with the U.S. immigration law, and particularly the Immigration and Nationality Act, um, it, 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 when it was written, it didn't, really, it didn't really encompass any of this or anticipate any of this. Um, and to account for, for the growing, this gap between the Immigration and Nationality Act and the growing use of ART and surrogacy and related technologies, um, all of us immigration attorneys have had to be creative over the years um, in trying to help children born through these technologies uh, to accompany their parents to the U.S. and to establish um, to, to the, basically to the U.S. government um, that these children are still entitled to the same immigration benefits as if they were biological children. Um, and we've been guiding uh, families born through surrogacy here at Murphy Law Firm for at least a decade, probably more than that. Um, I know I've been working on these cases here for at least probably 11 or 12 years. Um, and we, when we started doing these, no one, no one was familiar with these issues. I mean, this was, uh, this was uh, unknown territory. 
I mean, we would the first people we brought in, we had to we had to make the legal arguments. We had to draft memorandums for Customs and Border Protection when we had to to really educate the CBP officers about how this all worked. Because I mean, typically that in as we'll get into that the way this practice works is people will, will arrive at Customs at the airport, and and you have to convince Customs that this child is entitled to be treated as your child. Um, now, in the couple last couple of years, Department of State and USCS have implemented some helpful guidance to sort of clarify the rules here. And this does make it easier for couples who have a child through surrogacy or the other ART technologies uh, to bring the child to the U.S. We're going to go over some of those options in a little more detail today. Thank you, Chris. So, Laurie, let's just look consider the options for children of U.S. citizens first. I mean, yeah, people can get very really yeah. complicated. That's the, the tough part is it appears to be simple, but it is a pretty complicated area. So take it away. Yeah, thanks. So before we get into the, the, the fine details, we want to just kind of like rec- remember that a child born abroad to at least one U.S. citizen parent is born a U.S. citizen at birth if, the U.S. citizen parent meets certain residency requirements prior to the birth of the child. So we know that the residency requirements will depend on whether both parents are U.S. citizens, but generally, if the parent has resided in the U.S. for at least five years, with two of those years occurring after the parent was 14 years old, the child will be born a U.S. citizen. The definition of what parenthood is is kind of what makes this a, a tricky area. So I, I think uh, that's where uh, some of those fine details need to be discussed. So um, since August of 2021, USCIS policy has been updated to recognize parents in the following situations, right? So before there was a whole bunch like a discussion if one parent, you needed to show whose DNA it was and all of this, and then there was a Supreme Court case and based on that, USCIS issued this clarifying guidance. But basically, the child is considered the legal child for U.S. immigration law purposes if the genetic parent of the child born through, for example, surrogacy, uh, if the intending parents of the child are married at the time of the child's birth, and both the parents are recognized as the legal parents in the jurisdiction of the birth. Or second, even if it's non-genetic, gestational parent of the child born through surrogacy uh, is also recognized as a parent, right? If the intending parents are, again, married at the time of the birth and both the parents are recognized as legal parents in the jurisdiction of the birth. And finally, non-genetic and non-gestational parents of the child born through assisted reproductive technology or art if that parent is married to the child's genetic or gestational parent at the time of birth, and both the parents are recognized as the legal parents in the jurisdiction of, the, of that the country, the state, the city, whatever. And then for children who are born through surrogacy in these situations, this child would be treated the same as a biological child. And I think, that, as I said, there was a Supreme Court case that was so ridiculous that required the government to intervene because two children who were born, one was considered a U.S. citizen at birth, the other was not considered a U.S. citizen at birth to the same parents, and they realized how ridiculous it sounded. So it made sense, and we're glad that finally it took till the 2021 for this to happen. So, Chris, let me have you jump into the next issue. 
Thank you, Sheila. Um, it's really important to, to recognize that when we're talking about surrogacy, the law where the child is born is really, is, is really relevant here. Um, current interpretation on U.S. immigration law is that the law where the child is born through surrogacy has to recognize the parents as the child's legal parents. Um, some countries this is fine, some countries it's not. There's a huge range of, of different rules, different, different laws all over the world about this. Um, the majority of, the, of the, these cases I've dealt with are people from India. Um, in India, they, they do have unique rules, um, but if you have a surrogacy contract with the gestational mother um, and you go through the, the necessary procedures, what you'll get when the child is born, you'll get a birth certificate that will list these, the, your list of parents as the parents. It will not be the gestational mother. It will be the, the people who have utilized the surrogacy process. Um, now, one thing I, I do want to point out, this is distinct from adoption, and you really should not confuse these. This is not adoption. This is surrogacy, totally different process. And just to, this is a little bit outside the scope of what we're talking about today. You have to be very careful with adoption. I have seen so many people through the years get in trouble with adoption cases because they don't understand how complicated it is from an immigration standpoint. Um, it, it, I've done immigration law for 20 plus years, and I still will tell you adoption is the most, probably the most complicated part of immigration law. Um, and if you just go through the process of adopting someone in a foreign country without talking to an immigration lawyer first about how you're going to get this child back, you can really run into a lot of problems. Just as, as an example, typically U.S. immigration law will not recognize an adopted child as your child unless you've had legal and physical custody for two years. And typically, that would not be in the United States. Uh, you would have typically this would involve one parent having to go live with the child for two years in their home country before the U.S. Immigration Service, before before immigration law will recognize the child as your child. Um, and I've had, had so many calls with people who went through an adoption and said, how do I how, their question was, how do I Okay, we've done the adoption? How do I bring the child back? And you have to tell them there right now, there is no way to bring the child back. Probably you're going to have to wait two years before there's going to be any eligibility. So be very careful about adoption. Talk to an immigration lawyer first. Um, now, when we're talking about U.S. citizen parents of a child born through surrogacy, the process there is relatively straightforward. Um, you would have to go to the nearest U.S. embassy and file what's called a consular report of birth abroad, which is basically a, it's, it's a consular birth certificate, for lack of a better word. Um, it, it's what the U.S. embassy issues if a U.S. citizen child is born abroad. And at the same time, you would apply for the child's U.S. passport. Um, and the child would have to get, obviously, the child would have to get the passport before they're able to get on a plane be, be, to come back to the U.S. Thank you, Chris. Um, I mean, as you were speaking, and I thought, yep, you know, the adoption is such a complicated area. Maybe we should have a separate session just on adoption and complications because people come so late and their whole life is messed up because they don't understand these issues. So it's very interconnected, obviously, to this topic. Uh, so let's jump from now U.S. citizen parents, which people think, oh, that was so easy right now. As you can see, it's actually pretty complicated. Mm -hmm. So what about, what's, the, what's the law and the rules with respect to surrogacy for permanent residents, Laurie? Yeah, sure. That's a, a Thank you, Sheila. So just like uh, children born to U.S. citizen parents, children born to, abroad to lawful permanent or green card holder um, 
parents through surrogacy process may also receive the same benefits as biological children. Uh, under the law, a child born to a green card holder on a temporary trip abroad may enter the U.S. as a permanent resident without having to file any separate application. If the child returns to the U.S. within two years of birth and the child is accompanying either parent on their first return trip to the U.S. Now, we know that this can, you know, this, this is like kind of a breeding ground for, for, for you know, potential issues um, given that, uh, you know, whether or not parents are in or out of, um, you know, the United States when the child's born and how much time has passed. So we need to discuss some of those issues to, to, to really understand the options for permanent residents. Thank you, Laurie. And while that is pretty much in 90% of the cases, sometimes people will, for whatever reason, the child, because their war parents are working like crazy, they will actually keep the child, leave them with one of their parents, the girls or the boys' parents, the mothers or fathers, till the child is past two years of age. What happens? Well, I mean, if you don't meet the if you don't meet that two year requirement, and if you don't bring the child back on your first trip, first trip, you don't qualify under these rules anymore, and you're looking probably at doing an immigrant visa petition. Much longer and process. That could take years and years and years because you're talking Easily. family based second preference F two A, which right now could be anywhere from three to eight years on average. Absolutely. Uh, so, so knowing the law, talking to a professional, understanding it whether you're getting a, surrog a child through surrogacy for adoption, it's critical, critical. So the next thing, as we said, is, you know, obviously it's very important to keep records as to the nature of the surrogacy agreement because the Customs and Border Protection Officer, when you first enter the U.S. with the child, will need to see that the parents were actually married at the time of the birth of the child, the jurisdiction where the child, the country or the, the state where the child was born, that, that that country recognizes the parents as the legal parents of that infant. And prior to this guidance from August 2021 that we talked about earlier from USCIS, we would continuously help families with children who were born through surrogacy. I remember doing a case maybe 15, 18 years ago, a couple that brought in twins coming in, I think from, from they're still there in the Pennsylvania area. And we were so nervous because we said, this is like such a rare occurrence, but that was like 15, 20 years ago. And now, as we said, it's becoming more and more and more common. But now the, the importance that you have to establish the child has a genetic connection to one parent, uh, which was critical before to show the genetic, the DNA. Now, we still would need the definition. And by the way, multi law firm was being very, very creative compared to 99.9% .9 of immigration law firms because we actually came up with this very creative and novel argument that even if the child was not the child based on the DNA of the parent back in the day before this helpful guidance from 2021, 10, 15, 20 years ago, that the child was the parent was considered the step parent of the other of the US citizen parent let's say or the permanent resident parent and therefore was eligible the child was still eligible to enter the US as a permanent resident because step parents are allowed to bring in the children so we came up with legal arguments again not only knowing the law but finding legal ways to help clients is of course the hallmark of how the multi law firm works so it is certainly advisable 
that the permanent resident mother, which is something we tell people just to be on the extra, extra safe side, that if the child is born abroad through surrogacy, that it is certainly helpful to be outside the U.S. when the child is born so that it doesn't open a Pandora's box of questions of how the heck was this and why wasn't the child with you and I don't understand this or whatever, right? So now we've talked about U.S. citizens. we talked about permanent residents. Let's jump uh, next to maybe you, Chris, and Laurie, to talk a little bit about options for non-immigrants because a lot of people on this call are probably on H1 or F1 or J1 or L1, et cetera. Yeah, we've been talking primarily in, in the rest of this conference about U.S. citizens and permanent residents, but all these arguments really apply equally to people who, who are in the non-immigrant status, people in F1, H1B, L1. Um, these people can have uh, go through the surrogacy process, go through assisted reproductive technology as well, and the same rules are going to are going to uh, are going to apply here. It means children born um, to people here as non-immigrants go through the surrogacy process, they'll be eligible for dependent visas like H4s or L2s, um, just the same as if they were were biological children. Um, which of course, I mean, it, it's something we see fairly frequently. Uh, it, it's become a much more common thing these days. Perfect. So I guess then how do, what are the kinds of tips or evidence that's required for establishing eligibility? Does the child need a foreign birth, like a birth certificate showing both the parents' names, etc.? So Lori. Yeah, thanks, Joe. So yeah, so just to review, we discussed this earlier, but the two most critical factors in establishing that a child born through a surrogacy process is eligible for immigration benefits, like, uh, you know, as any biological child, are whether there is a genetic or gestational re relationship to one parent and whether the parents are married at the, top, uh, the child's uh, birth and whether the law where the child is born recognizes the intending parents as the child's legal parents. So th those are things that we really need to keep in mind when assessing, you know, you know whether this is a, you know, a process that's been followed so that they can, you know, become, you know, U.S. citizens. Okay, makes sense. Thank you, Laurie. And Chris, anything else that we need to, I mean, it's a short topic, it's an important topic, but anything else that they need to worry, that parents need to be concerned, concerned about to bring in bringing the child? Absolutely. People who are, who are considering this process um, should be sure they are, they are very familiar with the laws uh, in the country where the child will be born. I mean, even, even consider working with a family law attorney. Um, some countries, this is fairly straightforward and fairly common. As I said, we deal with a lot of, a lot of surrogate children born in India. Uh, the laws in India are pretty favorable on this. And it, it's typically you're going to have a pretty well, pretty standardized, well-drafted surrogacy agreement. Um, and, and you'll have a birth certificate with the, with the, with the parents on it. Um, and the rights of, of all the parties will be, will be clearly drafted. Um, not every country is like that. I mean, I've talked to people who did, went through surrogacy in other countries and ran into huge problems. I mean, in, in some cases where they were not recognized as the parents or they would not allow, the child was not potentially not allowed to leave the country. Uh, it can be, you have to be very careful about this. Uh, it, the local law is, is really governing here. Um, it's also beneficial when you have a surrogacy agreement, which is, which is normally going to be the case, always the case, um, between the intending parents and the surrogate parent. Uh, it has to clearly identify the rights of the parties um, because 
potentially, potentially the Immigration Service, uh, Customs and Border Protection, DHS, are going to want to see that surrogacy agreement to make sure that this is complied with, um, with the local rules and that, it's, that this child qualifies to be treated as a, as a surrogate child under U.S. immigration law. So do we need, for example, documents or legal paperwork from attorneys or lawyers in the foreign country confirming the child, or do, we, do they acknowledge or take it based on the surrogacy agreement? How does that work? Typically, we would provide the surrogacy agreement, which is at least, at least when we're talking about India, is a fairly standardized document. Um, and that in conjunction with the birth certificate showing the, the, the parents as the, as the parents. Got it. And I think there were changes years ago, maybe five, ten years ago, where India only allows a child to be adopted if the parents are also Indian and or there's very strong restrictive. There are all kinds of restrictions. So, again, when you're doing adoption, surrogates, you're talking very complicated areas because you're talking, into, you know, international agreements, documents, that's for adoption. But with surrogacy, Again, we don't have a lot of black letter law, but there's this guidance and the Supreme Court case. So it's a very cutting edge area. And as I said, we probably will get into the other issues because this is going down a path because we are seeing more and more consultations that I'm doing, Aaron, Chris, all of us. We end up talking to clients and realizing that they've dug themselves so deep and it's hard to get out of it when it's so late in the game. So, you know, given the advancements in our artificial reproductive technology or art and surrogacy, it is really critical for you all, whether it is your employees as an employer, whether it's your family members, your friends, your neighbors, your colleagues, that if you're not, even if you're a U.S. citizen, you have to worry about it, let alone if you're a foreign national. You have to work with competent immigration lawyers, maybe family lawyers in that country, to ensure that the child will be able to enter the U.S., will enjoy the same legal rights, will be actually able to live and grow up with you as a child and not be kept outside because of U.S. immigration laws to be recognized as your child, biological or through surrogacy. And after pushing for new interpretations to accommodate all of these changes, of course, we were very pleased that the USCIS issued the August 2021 update, and we're hoping that we will continue to recognize a lot of these latest cutting edges uh, you know, uh, things that are happening in the law. Again, with whatever you're dealing, whenever you're dealing with immigration law issues, it is always, prevention is always cheaper than cure, as we know. Any doctor will tell you that. Any lawyer will tell you that. And we have seen that, you know, it is so much easier if we come a lawyer, a law firm that is very knowledgeable, comes in from day one, guides you, assists you, holds your hand, mentors you, whether you're an employer, employee, a family member doing the adoption to come in. And so we really look forward to continuing to guide you in this very difficult cutting-edge area and hope that, we, that you will contact Murti Law Firm or if you have a local lawyer, please feel free to use them. And I realize that we're already towards the end of the year. It's December. I can't believe the year went by so fast. I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving holiday. You're ready for the holiday season. And we want to take this opportunity on behalf of myself, Sheila Muthi, Chris Drynan, Laurie Haas, and our entire Muthi Law Firm team to wish you and your family a very happy holiday season and best wishes for the coming new year. We look forward to continuing to take good care of you, your employees, your business colleagues, your friends, on all matters relating to U.S. immigration law. 
Take care and have a wonderful rest of the afternoon. This is a free service. The content is the protected, copyrighted property of the Murthy Law Firm. Unauthorized recording or dissemination of these materials without prior permission is prohibited by law. Learn about our firm, how to engage our services, and more at www.murthy.com.